This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Wednesday, the 28th day of February, 2024. Uh, My internet speed has been a little iffy this morning. The joys of living uh, far from civilization out in the middle of the Piney Woods. So if there are any problems with the uh, feed today, you uh, um, are now aware of it. (laughs) And uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, This is Squirrel Chatter. Uh, I don't know. Did I say it's February 28th, (laughs) 2024? This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. on X, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the audio podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there you are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. I had a great conversation yesterday with uh, Scott Christensen about his new book, Defeating Evil, which drops March 6th. Um, It's a, uh, well, that'll drop tomorrow. I'll I'll put that, uh, that will be instead of a Theology Thursday this week, we are going to have a Theologian Thursday so I, I am going to spend today editing that together before I head to youth group tonight. <laughs> so that will be that will be up uh, tomorrow and we'll stream at the normal time. And it will be a regular episode of Squirrel Chatter um, just instead of our normal trip through the 1689, we are going to have the interview with Scott um, and talk about his new book. Um, and, uh, so I highly commend that to you. Hope to see you here tomorrow for that. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, on a personal note, Miss Regina Pryor, administrative assistant at Grace Bible Theological Seminary is retiring at the end of the week. And I cannot imagine GBTS without her. <laughs> So it's going to be uh, an interesting transition. Um, I know Dr. Strand and Dr. Moore and Dr. Johnson are just going to screw things up without Reggie there. So we'll just have to see how that goes. Um, But uh, Reggie, congratulations on your retirement. You will be greatly missed. Um, So, all right. That is... About all I got as far as opening remarks today, I'm, I uh, didn't want to wake up when the alarm went off, so I'm, I'm sitting here struggling uh, to get my gear in order. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a light on. There, does that help? <laughs> I was like, man, it just feels dark. Okay, what do we got coming up today other than laughing at a squirrel and his ineptitude? We have our scripture readings from the Legacy Standard Bible. We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And our study Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy continues. We are in chapter 30. We're picking up in verse 15. Um, Really only one long paragraph today. So it may be a, a slightly shorter episode than normal, which considering my current level of discombobulation is probably not a bad thing. <laughs> we'll just, we'll see where we get to. Um, but, uh, and I want to remind everybody that for the next two weeks, I'll be here tomorrow, I'll be here Friday, but then 
starting Monday, I'm not going to be here for two weeks. Um, I'm going down to Shepherd's Conference. I'm getting back the middle of the next week, and I'm going to take the remainder of the week off to uh, recover from the trip. And then our, uh, our, our regular schedule will resume the following Monday. I just want to remind everybody of that. Um, and I'll remind you on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere. Um, so just, you know, sleep in those days. It'll be fine. And, and uh, we'll be back in, in a couple of weeks. So looking forward to Shepherd's Conference. Um, I'm not, the last several years I have taken, I've got portable podcasting equipment that I have taken with me down to Shepherd's Conference and I don't even know if I'm going to do that this year because I've never pulled it out of the backpack. It's heavy. I pack it around with me and it's kind of a hassle. And, and I'm, I'm going light this year. I just want to hang out. I don't even, I'm not even going to have my podcasting stuff with me. If nothing else, I will have my cell phone if I need to record something, I can do that, but uh, I'm not going to take the microphones and the recorder and all that stuff with me this year. Um, I'm just going to go, I'm, I'm, I'm actually thinking this is my Bible for the trip, <laughs> this little compact LSB, because I can just stick it in my pocket. Print's a little small for me. I will admit the print is a little small for me. I have to take my glasses off, even with my... Uh, I can read it with my bifocals, um, but it's much easier for me to read if I just take my glasses off and hold it close. Um, but, you know, it fits in my pocket. It'll be plenty for uh, for dealing with, uh, <laughs> you know, for following along during the sermons and messages um, and any discussion if we have to look something up. I'll have my phone, so I'll have my Bible app if I need that, and... Uh, I'll probably take an iPad just so I have something. But I'm planning on traveling light this year. I'm not planning on taking as much as I have in the past. Because as I said, I've taken I've taken my recorder and everything down there, and I've never used it. I've always had thoughts of dragging somebody, you know, dragging one of my friends aside and doing a quick interview or something. And I don't know that I'm going to do that this year. Um I'm I, I I might I, I I just I haven't decided fully but that's kind of where I'm leaning right now um, and and just just so you know <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at um, uh, looking forward to just going down there and hanging out with friends sitting under some great teaching spending too much in the book tent all of that Um it's, it's, uh, Shepherd's Conference is a special time and it's a special time for me. Um, I just, I, I was thinking about it the other day. I have been to 12 Shepherd's Conferences in the last 13 years. So well over a decade and have a lot of friends down there. It is a highlight of my year. Um, going down there and seeing people, um, and not just seeing Grace Church people, seeing people from across the United States and Canada that are, have become friends um, that that will be there. Um, I was in class last night. Uh, I'm auditing um, auditing a, a class on the the doctrine of the Word, the doctrine of inspiration, bibliology um, that Owen Strand is teaching right now, and. Uh, as class was ending last night, you know, he, he said, hey, squirrel, see you in California. So that, that's the that's the beauty of it is that I will see friends from around the country, not just the friends in California, of which I have many. So I'm looking forward to the trip. I'm, I, you know, I'll, I'll see I'll see Justin Peters there. We live well, we did live four hours apart. Now we live six, seven hours apart because he recently moved from Bozeman to Billings. But 
I see more in California or in Idaho than I do in Montana. Um, the guys from, from Redeemer and Arizona will be there. The guys from uh, Kootenai, you know, the Sandpoint fellows, Jim Osmond and his crew will be down there. Um, I don't know if Andrew Rappaport's coming this year. I haven't talked to him about it. Um, if he is, I'll see him there. Um, plus, like I said, all the people that, that live down there that are friends. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've already got, got plans for a late lunch with some friends on Tuesday. I've got just all sorts of stuff going on. Um, right as soon as I get there, apparently there's a, there's a, uh, hymns of grace thing Monday night that my host is going to. So I'm going to go to that with him. And, um, so I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, then Tuesday I'll be at grace to you, uh, stuffing envelopes and hanging out with friends. Yes. I just go in and volunteer. Um, no, I spend half my time wandering the halls saying hi to friends there. <laughs> um, although it'll be, it'll be interesting cause uh, Daryl Harrison won't be there this year. Um, a lot of the guys that I used to hang out with at grace to you have moved on to other positions. Um, uh, Eric Dodson is now a pastor in Texas. <laughs> um, Daryl Harrison has joined the crew at, at uh, Redeemer Church in Arizona. Uh, he is now officially a pastor, um, as before he was unofficially a pastor. Um, so his office will be vacant. <laughs> um, so yeah, whole new whole new crew in a lot of ways at Grace to You, but still yet. You got Fred in the volunteer center. You've got, I, I, I know, I know a lot of people there. So it'll be, it'll be fun to poke around and say hi to those guys. Um, so that'll be my Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. The Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday is the conference. And then, uh, and spend the weekend, hang out on Saturday. Don't, don't have plans for Saturday yet. Um, we'll just see what happens. Uh, quite often, uh, for many, many years, it's been uh, uh, tours with Freddie as uh, I've hit various uh, tourist spots around the L.A. area with Fred Butler and his kids, who are now all grown mostly. Um, I think... Uh, I think the three oldest boys are all out of high school now, or maybe Noah's a senior this year. Um, the girls are in high school. Um, and, and, but yeah, we've had some fun times. We have traveled, uh, we've gone all the way to sound to San Diego, um, where we went through the USS Midway, a, a, a museum ship. Um, one of the, one of the last non-nuclear aircraft carriers. Um, because of the radiation in the reactors, none of the nuclear aircraft carriers will ever be museum ships. Um, because there's no way just to, to mitigate the radiation from the reactors. Um, but the Midway was, um, in a lot of ways, it's one of the first supercarriers as far as size. It's, it's akin to a modern carrier. It's not, it's, I mean, it's, you know, two thirds the size maybe, but very much laid out like a modern carrier. And the, I remember standing on the deck of the Midway and looking across the harbor at the, the Ronald Reagan at, at her berth across the way. And that was like, okay, that's a big ship. <laughs> that's a big ship. Um, but what most people don't realize is that the, that even aircraft carriers, as big as they are, are dwarfed by you know, container ships. Um, any anything smaller than an aircraft carrier is dwarfed by cruise ships. Um, cargo vessels have always been much larger than military vessels because they're made to haul cargo. They're not made to fight. Um, and aircraft carriers are only as big as they are because of the space needed for airplanes. Um, 
we we went to Long Beach. We've toured the uh, the USS Iowa, which is uh, moored there as a museum ship in Long Beach. Very impressive. Um, and then uh, we've gone to the Reagan Library more than once. Went to the California Science Center and saw the space shuttle and 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 the Apollo Soyuz capsule and uh, Gemini capsule. I don't remember from which mission. And uh, a Mercury capsule, but it wasn't one of the manned Mercury missions. I believe the Mercury capsule we saw at the California Science Center flew a chimpanzee. And apparently they're building a new um, pavilion for the space shuttle, and it's actually going to be displayed um, in its vertical launch position with an external tank and solid rocket boosters. So you get an idea of what it looked like there. Um, it wasn't that. It was just on its wheels when we were there um, in a hangar. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how that... And, and, and also very interesting was hanging from the roof of the California Science Center in the lobby was one of the uh, three F-20 prototypes built by Northrop in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, as a, 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 it was designed to be a um, quick response air defense fighter for Western Europe, really, and American allies. Um, and it its performance rivaled the F-16. And... But because the United States Air Force didn't purchase it, it was not purchased by any of, uh, of the American allies, um, even though that was what it was designed for. Um, and it was much less expensive than an F-16 with comparable performance. Um, another one of those, and, and I remember at the time not understanding why we didn't buy that. You know, we can have two quick response air defense fighters. We don't, I mean, look at all the different models of aircraft that we flew in World War II and Korea. And yet, now we have, of course, we've added the F-35 and the F-22. But for decades, the U.S. Air Force, as far as um, tactical air superiority type aircraft. We had the F-16 and the F-15. And there was no really other alternatives. Um, whereas in World War II, we had, you know, P-51 squadrons, P-47 squadrons, P-38 squadrons. We had myriad, you know, fighters um, in the air. Same with the Navy, you know, the, the X, the, the F6F and the F4U, you know, they, they had different fighters that, you know, we, and of course a lot of that was, Hey, you know, this company can only produce this many of this aircraft. So we're going to buy a bunch of that aircraft from this other company because we're in a war and we need them now. I understand that, but it wouldn't have been, you know, it would have saved money if we'd equipped half of our F-16 fighters with F-20s instead, it would have cost less for comparable performance. Um, not that the F-16 isn't a fabulous aircraft, it is. But, uh, you know, and if that had happened, you know, we might have the, the Thunderbirds flying F-20s now instead of F-16s. Who knows? Uh, just interesting thoughts. But they had one of those hanging from the ceiling. And uh, it was impressive because it had always been one of my favorite aircraft and uh, and a sad story that it was not put into production. There have been several aircraft like that that I would have liked to have seen gone into production through history. The, the, uh, the B-70 Valkyrie bomber uh, was an impressive high-speed, high-altitude bomber um, that... Absolutely, its development absolutely panicked the Soviet Union because it would have outrun their interceptors. It was it was a fast, high altitude 
deep penetration bomber that they didn't have a plane to catch. And indeed, they developed the MiG-25 so that they would have a high-speed interceptor to, to catch those bombers. Most of the time, bombers are among the slower aircraft. And the, uh, the, the B-70 had supersonic speed to, to rival fighter aircraft. I mean, it couldn't, it couldn't turn like a fighter, but it could just flat-out boogie. And, uh, but that never went into production. Um, just, just a lot of things like that, you know, um, that, that it was, you know, what if, what if this would have been an interesting, interesting aircraft to have go into production. But, uh, I understand there's costs, there's other considerations as to why an aircraft doesn't go into production, but it's one of those things that's just always interested me. So I don't know what I'm going to be doing on Saturday when I'm down at Shepherd's Conference. Sunday morning, I will be worshiping with the folks at Santa Clarita Baptist Church. Um, and then I will be heading home Sunday afternoon. Um, but that's that's next week. I'm leaving here Sunday after church. And I'm leaving there Sunday after church. Um, that's just, that's the way it rolls. <laughs> Picking up my rental car on Saturday. Uh, rent a car because it it saves wear and tear on my own car. It's still cheaper than flying. Um, this year, I, it's been several years since I've had a price this good, but I got my, uh, I got my rental car from budget with unlimited miles for 25 bucks a day. And, uh, I said, that's cheaper than flying and renting a car at LAX. I tell ya. you, you can't rent a car at LAX for less than a hundred a day. Plus the airfare. So it takes me, it take me a day to fly there. Well, it take me, you know, probably a couple hours. Uh, I do believe Allegiance has nonstop from Missoula to LAX, if I remember right. I've never taken advantage of that, but I can drive there in a day and a half. I don't have to worry about going through the TSA. I don't have to worry about taking my shoes and my belt off and playing with all that stupid security theater. I can just get in the car and go. I can stop wherever I need to stop. And and I I enjoy I've I've got a couple of um I picked up a, a audiobook of JC Ryle's Holiness. Um I haven't read it this year and we were talking about it was it yesterday or the day before I mentioned holiness here on the podcast. And so I picked up an audio copy yesterday because I had a couple of audible audible credits rattling around so i spent one of those and uh so i've got holiness to listen to on the drive down i've got uh, rosaria butterfield's new book to listen to on the drive down um so i've got some stuff to listen to and of course there's music and podcasts and all sorts of stuff that i can i can enjoy on my drive and i'm enough of an introvert that giving me a day and a half alone in a car i'll be happy <laughs> so, but I will be arriving Monday afternoon in the, uh, in Santa Clarita. That's my plan. And as I said, Tuesday at grace to you and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at the conference, all of that was just to say there won't be a scroll chatter for two weeks starting next week, but you figured that out. I'm rambling. I told you I'm tired this morning. What do we got today? I've already read all that. All right. Let us now as is our practice begin uh, 24 minutes into our podcast with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen.
Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And the prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, our scripture readings today are Genesis 5 and Psalm 55. Genesis 5. And afterward, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is Yahweh, that I should listen to his voice to let Israel go? I do not know Yahweh, and also I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God, lest he confront us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your hard labors. And Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are now many, and you would have them cease from their hard labors. So on that day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters over the people and their foremen, saying, You are no longer to give the people straw to make brick as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the quota of bricks which they are making previously you shall set upon them. You are not to reduce any of it. Because they are lazy, therefore they are crying out, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their slavery be hard on the men, and let them work at it, so that they will have no regard for false words. So the taskmaster of the people and their foreman went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I am not going to give you any straw. You go and get straw for yourselves wherever you can find it. But no amount of your slave labor will be reduced. So the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. And the taskmasters were pressing them, saying, Complete your work quota, the daily amount, just as when there was straw. Moreover, the foremen of the sons of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not completed your required amount, either yesterday or today, in making bricks as previously? Then the foremen of the sons of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why do you deal this way with your slaves? There is no straw given to your slaves, yet they keep saying to us, Make bricks. And behold, your slaves are being beaten, but it is the sin of your own people. But he said, You are lazy, lazy, therefore you say, Let us go and sacrifice to Yahweh. So now go and labor, but straw will not be given to you, yet you must deliver the quota of bricks. Then the foremen of the sons of Israel saw that they were in trouble, because they were told, You must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. When they left Pharaoh's presence, they confronted Moses and Aaron, standing there to meet them. And they said to them, May Yahweh look upon you and judge, for you have made us a foul smell in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses returned to Yahweh and said, O Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak your name, he has done harm to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. And now Psalm 55. Psalm 55, for the choir director, with stringed instruments, a masculine of David. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Give heed to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and am surely distracted. Because the voice of the enemy, because of the pressure of the wicked, for they shake wickedness down upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror has covered me. I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Behold, I would rather wander far away 
I would lodge in the wilderness, Selah. I would hasten to my place of refuge for the, from the stormy wind and tempest. Confuse, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around her upon her walls, and wickedness and mischief are in her midst. Destruction is in her midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from her streets. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me who has maligned himself against me, who has magnified himself against me. Then I could hide myself from him. But it is you, a man my equal, my close companion and my familiar friend. We who had sweet counsel together walked in the house of God in the throng. Let death come deceitfully upon them. Let them go down alive to Sheol, for evil is in their dwelling in their midst. As for me, I shall call upon God, and Yahweh will save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will bring my complaint and moan, and he will hear my voice. He will redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me. For they are many who strive with me. God will hear and answer them. Even the one who sits enthroned from of old, Selah, because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion has put forth his hand against me, those who were at peace with him. Excuse me. My companion has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. He has violated his covenant. His speech was smoother than butter, but his heart was war. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden upon Yahweh, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. But you, O God, will bring them down to the pit of corruption. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. This is the word of the Lord. And now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. Today's devotional is entitled, Jesus and the Leper, Part 2. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Matthew 8, 1 and 2. Several more striking features mark the leper who came to Jesus. The man came expectantly, but not demandingly. Therefore, he approached the Lord with humility. It's clear he wanted to be healed, but he did not explicitly ask Jesus for this miraculous favor. That was almost too much for the leper to presume. Hence his statement, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What a contrast to the attitude of those in some religious circles today who boastfully claim divine healing as if God should automatically grant it. The leprous man also came in sincere faith, one that displays the firm conviction that God is able to work on our behalf but yet a conviction accompanied by submission to his sovereign will. He knew that although Jesus was able to instantly cure his leprosy, he was not obligated. The man's faith was much like that of Daniel's friends who told the king, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Daniel 3:17 and 18. In the same way, the leper would also accept whatever outcome Jesus provided. Ask yourself, expectantly but not demandingly, how would this posture change the way you're currently praying over a pressing matter? not by discounting faith and being guilty of doubt and double-mindedness, but by boldly placing yourself and others under Christ's capable safekeeping. All right. Well, we are back to our study Bible level, Bible study of Deuteronomy. We are picking up in chapter 30, verse 15. And it's here that Moses gives the people of Israel a choice. Follow God and live 
reject God and perish. And again, this passage, this paragraph we're looking at today, it's, uh, let's see, 15 to, uh, to 20, so six verses. This paragraph is, um, is very much in line with what I've been saying all along as we've looked through Deuteronomy. The covenant given at Sinai was a covenant that was conditional and temporal. And I'm, I'm, I'm repeating myself, I know, but it's important to understand. The covenant given at Sinai was conditional upon obedience, and it was temporal in that all of the benefits of the covenant take place in time. Here on earth, in time, in the land, were these blessings promised to Israel. And you're going to see that as I read this, this paragraph today. Deuteronomy chapter 30, beginning in verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and calamity, in that I am commanding you today to love Yahweh your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that Yahweh your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not listen, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your seed, by loving Yahweh your God, by listening to his voice, and by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which Yahweh swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So again, we see specifically these promises are given to Israel, the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is the promise of long life, excuse me, hmm, long life and prosperity in the land. And this is you know, conditional upon love God, follow his ways, keep his commandments, and live, disobey God, and suffer the penalties. And, and this is such an important thing, you know, to, to love and obey God is life and prosperity. To reject God is death and adversity. This is, I believe, still a principle that holds. I believe God blesses those who strive to obey him with blessing in this life. And he does not bless those who disobey and reject him. Now, a lot of it comes down to what is blessing and what isn't. Um, because I do not know a lot of super rich Christians. <laughs> I know some, <laughs> you know, I know some very wealthy Christians. Um, and I know a lot of wealthy people who are not Christians. Yet the, the, the Christians who are not wealthy are much more blessed than the wealthy people who reject Christ. There's a principle here you know, that loving and obeying God and following him does lead to blessing. It just not, may not be blessing as the world sees. Now, the promise to Israel was specifically long life, peace, and prosperity in the land. That was part and parcel of the, the promise given in the covenant. But the, and, and if they chose to love God and to obey his word, they would enjoy all of these blessings. It was going to be a, a, a wonderful thing. But if they refused, then they would not enjoy these blessings. And, and so we see here, you know, there is a choice. I set before you today 
says, I call on heaven and earth to witness against you today, and I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your seed, by loving Yahweh your God, by listening to his voice, and by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days. The, the, the choice is there. Now, as you know, I am firmly convinced of the sovereignty of God. The only way we can choose God is if he enables us to. You know, John chapter 6. Um, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and I will raise him up on the last day, but no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. Um, you know, there is a, a, you know, Ephesians 1, same thing. God chose from before the foundation of the of the earth, and from the foundation of creation, all who would be saved. Um, chose specifically and individually. He didn't choose a random generic group. He chose each individual whom he would save. So when the choice is put before people, those whom God has chosen will freely choose to follow him. Those whom God has not chosen will freely choose to reject God and follow themselves because that is human nature. God doesn't have to make anybody reject him. We do that naturally because we are sinful human beings and we will follow after our own sinful desires. So... So here we have this, you know, choose God and live. Now, Paul, using this same passage in the New Testament, in, in Romans 10, 1 through 13, he says, he used quotes from this, saying that the message of salvation is plain and understandable. Why would you reject it? Choose life, you know. We, we plead with you on the, the, on behalf of God, be reconciled to God. You know, that's, that's the mission of the evangelist, to plead with the lost to come to, God, come to Christ and be reconciled to God. Um, and, and so in loving Yahweh and walking in his ways, there is underlying it the regeneration of a sinner unto life. Um, there were many saved people in Israel who loved God and who trusted him and strove to obey him, who desired to obey him, who wanted to walk in his ways. And they believed the promises that God had given. And just like Abraham, they believed God and it was counted to them as righteousness. Now they believed God in his promise to, to redeem them, which we've seen several places. There is promise of redeemer going back all the way to, uh, um, you know, Genesis three, that, you know, the, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the seed of the serpent. The, that's the first hint at a redeemer. In the Abrahamic covenant, there is the promise that in Abraham's family, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And we know that indeed the Messiah came from the line of Abraham. And Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, David, you know, and we can, we can trace that down. Um, it has been said that if you put six things on an envelope, it can only be delivered to one person correctly in the world. If you put down the country where that person lives, that eliminates every other country. Then you put the, the state or province within the country, that eliminates a large portion of that country and narrows it down to a state or province. Then you put down the city or town that is within that state or province. 
and that narrows it down even further. Then the street on the city, that narrows it down even further. And then the house on the street. And finally, the name of the individual. You know, there might be, you know, a bazillion Joe Smiths in a nation. But when you narrow it down by, you know, I mean, who knows how many Joseph Smiths there are on the planet, but you narrow it down to a country, then you narrow it down to a city or to a state or province, then you narrow it down to a city, then you narrow it down to a street, then you narrow it down to a house, and then you narrow it down to an individual in the house. That letter can only properly be delivered to one individual. That's the way the prophecies of the Messiah are in the Bible. When you study the Old Testament prophecies of the coming Messiah, all the things that, that are written in the prophets, that, that he would be born, you know, descended from Abraham, descended from Isaac, descended from Jacob, descended from Judah, descended from David, that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be born of a virgin, that he would be uh, born at a certain point in history. And if you, you study, the, study the prophecies in Daniel, um, in the 70 weeks prophecy, I believe uh, that, uh, um, oh, what was his name? He was the, uh, he was a, a, a Scotland Yard, I believe he was director of Scotland Yard, um, Anderson, Sir was it Richard Anderson. But back in the 1800s, he worked out the, the dating of the 70-week prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. And, you know, it, 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 it worked out in his mathematics to the very day of, the, of Palm Sunday that the Messiah would appear in Jerusalem. Um, Dr. Harold Horner has further refined that in uh, his book, Chronological Aspects of the Life of Christ, um, which is another great book. And, and so there you have, you know, you have a specific prophecy of when the Messiah would appear in Jerusalem um, and present himself as king, you know, which he did. The triumphal entry is presenting himself as king. There's a prophecy that he would arrive riding on a donkey, which he did. So there's way more than six elements to the quote-unquote address that points to the Messiah. So in the Old Testament, those who were saved believed in the promises of the coming Messiah. They believed God and it was counted to them as righteousness. Their belief was in faith looking forward to what God said he would do. Since the cross, our faith is looking backwards, partially, not completely. We're looking forward to what God has promised he would do, but we look back to what he did at the cross. You know, they were looking forward to a coming Redeemer. We look back at the Redeemer who came. Because he is the only Redeemer. And everyone who is saved, past, present, and future, was saved at the cross. And, and, and that is just absolutely miraculous. So we see here, the, specifically, the Sinaitic Covenant was temporal and conditional. Yet, all through it, we see the new covenant and the promise of the Redeemer. You know, choose life. Paul uses the same passage in expressing the promise of the Redeemer and choosing Christ. So that's an that's a important thing to remember, that even though the law, no one is saved by the works of the law. You know, Romans makes that clear. <laughs> No one is saved by works of the law, yet the law points to Christ. And 
in the in the scriptures you can find life in Christ even in the law um in a lot of ways you might say especially in the law you know Moses wrote of Christ <laughs> Jesus says that in the gospel of John you know so you know consider the 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 all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for correction, for reproof, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Um, yes, I know doing it from memory, I don't get the I can't memorize stuff. I uh our I told, I think I've told you that uh our youth group is memorizing a passage from Ephesians two um this spring last last fall it was psalm 1 and now it's ephesians 2 and i am trying my best to memorize it with them and it's a struggle it's just i i have trouble with rote memory always have it is a a learning disability it's one i've struggled with all through school it is a form of dyslexia, and I can't spell, and I can't memorize stuff. <laughs> um, and it doesn't mean I can't learn stuff and know stuff, <laughs> but word-for-word word rote memory is beyond me. Um, I used to do drama in high school, school plays and stuff, and my lines were never exactly what was in the script because I couldn't memorize it. I knew what I was supposed to say, and I said what I was supposed to say. I just didn't say it exactly as it was said in the script, um, because I can't memorize stuff like that. It just doesn't work for me. All right, well, that is um, the end of Deuteronomy chapter 30. Um, next week, we... Uh, or next week, when I return from California in two weeks... We will pick up in Deuteronomy 31, and uh, we've got the, the final two addresses of Moses. Um, there is a, his song. There's, a, there's actually a, a, a hymn here, and we'll, we'll talk about that. And then there's uh, the record of his death and, excuse me, the... the uh, the secession of Joshua as leader of Israel. And yes, the record of his death was not written by Moses. <laughs> um, most likely written by Joshua. But we don't know for sure. Could have just simply been a secretary or a priest who was helping Moses in his old age. You know, we don't know who recorded that for us. Um, it, it doesn't say, you know, here, Bob, I, Bob, take over writing this narrative, and here is the story of Moses' death. It doesn't say that. It just says, you know, it just continues on and talks about the death of Moses. Um, so we got uh, um, Moses' final address, Moses' song, and uh, which is going to be a long one. <laughs> and then we've got... Uh, the blessing of Moses, where he blesses the uh, the nation, and then the record of his death is in chapter thirty four. So we're getting we're getting close to the end of Deuteronomy, um, and I have uh, thank you to the several of you who dropped me a note about where to go from here. Um, it seems to be that the uh, the desire to uh, move into the prophets is not uh, uh, without support. So the at this point, looking a month or so into the future, as we, we still have, uh, you know, I'll be gone two weeks, and then we've got several weeks to finish up Deuteronomy. Um, we're probably going to start Isaiah. Probably going to start Isaiah. Um, and just, it is the gospel in the Old Testament. And, and it's, it's a, a, a book I have read many times and, and have longed to 
to study in a little bit more depth. So I think we'll move on to Isaiah when we're done with Deuteronomy. Um, especially considering that Isaiah is another one of the books that is widely quoted in the New Testament. And so I think we'll do, we'll just do Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and Ezekiel. Just We'll just go right through all of the major prophets. And uh, at that point, you know, I may be ready to retire. <laughs> That's going to be quite a, you know, those are, those are four big books that uh, we'll spend some time in. Um, but right now that's, that's the direction I'm leaning in taking our study Bible level Bible study. Um, so let us now recite our faith in the words of the apostles creed. I believe in God, the father almighty creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, the colic for the second Sunday in Lent. Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. For grace we pray. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to the beginning of this day. Defend us by your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor run into any danger, and that guided by your Spirit we may do what is righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And for the unrepentant we pray. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven, given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Wednesday morning. Kind of a, as I said, I was a little bit discombobulated this morning. I apologize for that. Tomorrow will be the interview with uh, Scott Christensen. So I'm going to be spending the day editing that together and, and getting that all ready to go. And uh, that will drop tomorrow morning. Um, Friday, I, I think I have decided I'm going to do a Friday edition of Monday Meandering. And we will put off Federalist Friday until I return um, in a couple of weeks. I just... Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's been going on, and I won't be able to talk about it for two weeks. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, a Friday edition of Monday Meandering on Friday, and uh, then I'm gonna be gone for two weeks. So we're halfway through the week. Come lunchtime today. Hope you have a great day. Hope you've had a great week so far. Hope the rest of your week is is excellent as well. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not to. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Scroll Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.